the Small Business Sessions with Enterprise Nation. I'm your host, Emily Chiswell, and this is just one of the ways that we showcase the brilliance of our small business members. Not only is it a great way to kind of shout from the rooftops about the brilliant bits and pieces that they're up to, but hopefully it's a good distraction, bit of time out, bit of a change of thinking about your own business, maybe, just for a little bit. We won't keep you too long, I promise. Uh, This week, from lawyer to perfume maker, as you do. Enterprise Nation member Rob Hallmark is the founder of Groom and he built his business off the back of wanting to buy a male grooming product that didn't seem to exist. So let's start at the beginning. Rob, Groom, if you met someone at a dinner party, how do you describe what it is? Good way to introduce it. You were a new phase of brands for guys. Um, I'm not doing this in a kind of snub to what's out there. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in the market. I just had an idea, which I couldn't get rid of a few years ago, that there was a different way of doing it. There was a new brand, a new look, a kind of grooming 2.0, and that's the kind of image we're going for. We're not trying to replicate, we're not trying to make it um, something you'd recognise in the sense of, oh, I've seen brands like that. We just wanted something fresh, but also modern, so you'd instantly know it was new and very credible to the masculine look. You know, there was a focus on going for the girls, so I'd say, look, this is one for the guys. But so what's your background? Is your background in that kind of industry, or how did you get to developing something like that? Not in the least, other than being a consumer. That was my background. Okay. So so I'm kind of looking at the shelf, if you like, going, you know what, I kind of got money to spend. I was a lawyer then, corporate lawyer, so, you know, making some cash. And the older I got, the more I wanted my money to work for me. I kind of moved away from fads and fashions into making my own choice. So I came with this going, look, there's something on the shelf that I want to buy, but I can't see it. So that was my background. Science and all the rest, totally not. Um, Amazing. But kind of the ignorance can help. You're <laughs> yeah. not fettered. So I was like, you can't do that. I had no idea. And it's too late. I've spent a year trying to do it now. <laughs> yeah, it's knowing when to delegate, I think, is the hard bit, isn't yes. it? Become a good listener and yeah. nod. Like you've got authority. Because people in science love the fact you're getting it. So if you guys don't understand, they just get frustrated and ditch you. So you just sit there and go, that's awesome, that sounds perfect. And then Tell go home more. and Google it. Yeah, and go Google the hell out of it. You know? <laughs> and luckily my sister's a um, very grand title of a petrochemical toxicologist. Whoa. She's got some good knowledge, so she was quite good as a filter from that kind of internet noise into what's real, so that was useful. Puts it into sort of human talk. Almost. It still <laughs> was a sort of brotherly layman approach to uh, simple words, but it certainly was helped to get a nod when you feel like, is this true? She goes, yeah, 100%. That's so like yeah. extraordinary, though, from going from a lawyer into developing male grooming products. I mean, how, where did you start with all of that? You Obviously, this was the idea. You saw that there was a gap in a market, but like practically, what was the little timeline for you going between the two? I think there was a seed dropped in my mind about 10, 12 years earlier on a classic kind of university trip to France, chilling on the beach. And then one of the guys got this idea because we were near to grass, which is the kind of world capital of all things fragrance. Uh, I want to pop along, get some perfumes, take them home and all this stuff. And we just went to visit the shop where you can make your own. And I was a typical bloke then, mucking around, not taking it seriously. But I was like, come on, back home, we spend like 80, 90 quid on this stuff. What's it really cost? And when she said, well, it's not so much the cost, it's, you know, it was how it was made. And it, I just suddenly thought, you know, this is actually quite cool. And then come, coming back home, you kind of saw it a bit alienated from all that. It was more about celebrityism and... It wasn't really about the product. I mean, some brands out there, the niche ones very much so, but I felt they weren't very accessible. So I wanted some that kind of combined the two, easy to buy, out there, big brand, but very credible. So anyway, for years, I kind of just sat there thinking this was odd um, and nothing changed. In fact, if anything, the market got worse. It kind of went more kind of celeb. Every second you see like Justin Bieber yeah. perfume or, yeah. Like, you know, it worked brilliantly. So for a long time, I thought, forget it. There's no chance to enter this game because that's what people back then wanted. And then as I saw it fade and guys 
started coming out buying more for themselves. I kind of thought, well, I'll start to put the dots together. But I went through some other ideas first. But one thing I did recognise in business is margins really hard these days. There's so many players in the market, so many people taking a cut that to make a profit, it's quite tough. So I revisited male grooming actually as our own brand. You know, I looked at it, maybe I could do my own kind of like Dropbox approach where you have your own products. If you want Nivea this or Gillette that, you can get what you want delivered so it's not aligned to a certain brand. I just couldn't get the numbers to work, you know, just... Oh, that would be quite a cool well, idea. Well, I thought of, yeah. Yeah. Which I met you three years ago. <laughs> um, it would have been a lot easier from a logistics point of view. You could just buy a product box and ship it. But I couldn't get the money in that because people didn't want to pay more for that. They'd pay a little bit on postage, but it meant to provide those products. That sort of buy them a discount. That was tough. So I thought, well, create margin. Let's have my own product. And that's where it started. So fragrance is that one that had clung in my mind as the kind of product where I thought we can make the most improvement because that was the one probably most subject to branding. You know, had that margin. I thought, look, if I can nail this product, we can make money. And then with that money, we can develop new products and grow from there. But that's the challenge, I guess, as well, wrapped up in that, is that there is the branding behind it. So yeah. how do you make that work as an independent doing something, t- taking on the big guys? You know, how does that work? Well, it's interesting. I mean, the big guys I was trying to avoid, if you like. If you imagine they're like the motorway and I'm trying to be the guy on the bike. So I'm like, don't get hit. <laughs> much <laughs> more fun on a bike. Much more fun on a bike. And the people will pass you go, what's that crazy guy on a bike doing? But they're not suddenly going, oh, hang on, look, competitor. So my hope is they'll just look at us going you're nuts and you probably won't make it sooner or later bus is going to knock you out or something so I felt kind of insulated from the big market they're too busy looking at each other so I thought look I can just quietly get on with this having said that starting a brand is tough you know all the companies I came across in life which I thought were word of mouth they're not really they just look like it they're sinking into us somehow they are and they're big budgets they're just doing it very subtly but when I say big budgets I mean millions you know not tens of thousands millions so I've learned a lot along the way, but then we have tools that didn't exist properly 10 years ago, social media, there are ways and avenues for a new business to get a march that they couldn't do before, you know, get known. And word of mouth is still really powerful. And actually, I see all marketing is basically word of mouth. It's spreading your word. And there's different degrees of success with that. So would you say that's been your biggest challenge, do you think? Or are there other things that you face that have been tricky? Credibility is probably the toughest thing for a small business. And marketing can kind of create credibility. So if you're a brand new brand and you get sort of Silicon Valley investment behind you and you appear on all the billboards, what you're really creating, first of all, is credibility. The kind of sense of trust that, oh, I've seen this brand on the tube, it must be big. So as a really small business, not as a startup, because anyone can do that with money, it's creating that credibility without the spending power. So I think you start off on relationships which are face-to-face, build that trust. So for me, it was about 18 months before we'd even really got to sell the product where we're working with suppliers. People are going to back us. So it starts face-to-face. Then as you grow, you get more arm's length. So as you get more resource, as you get more experience, you then go social media and then probably leap to traditional mediums. So this year we saw our first ads in mainstream magazines, GQ, Men's Health. So that was about three years in. It just felt about right to sort of hit that level of, of saturation. Really. That must be so exciting, though, to open up the magazine like, oh, ah, yeah. check us out. Yeah, it was really cool. And, and that's the vibe of a startup. To a corporate, of course, you pay for that. And job done, you probably have an account, account manager, so right, this is our spend, go use it. Yeah, but for us, I mean, it was really good fun. You know, you kind of get those reactions when you're like, show your mate, oh, cool, did that cost a lot? And you're like, mate, it's not just about the money. (laughs) But it is that buzz of we've been recognised. You know, we've been approached now by other publications. They must see something about the brand. And it's not just dollar signs because they could pick anyone. They must say this would suit our readership. This would fit our profile. 
which frankly is more important than your own at that time, if they're willing to give you a piece of their magazine, it's a real endorsement for what you're doing. So it was quite a good buzz. Yeah, I bet. Especially when it is like you've developed it all the way up yourself. You know, it's that kind of thing of, you know, it's all your own work. Mm. How did you make that work, actually, talking about that kind of thing in terms of your teams who are helping you? I mean, is it just you? Have you got a team of people? What's your structure like? It's very much just me. This was going to be a slow start business because there wasn't that kind of innovative leap step where you could suddenly say, we've changed the way people do something. So... It was just hard work for me in the beginning, but it took a team of people, if you like, within the supply chain. To start with, though, I just kind of went online, bought an app on my MacBook. So I was sitting up, still at my day job, and I was sort of using my evenings, just musing ideas, and some of them were dreadful. And I'd say to anyone who says, don't go to your friends for advice, I kind of disagree. In the early months, you can keep it out of the public domain. Because once you go public with an idea, you've got to run with it. Yeah, you can't hang around. No, you've either got to drop it and go fail, or you've got to keep pushing. With your friends, you can say, look, I've got this idea. And some of them were really good, and the feedback shaped itself into a kind of, look, mate, I would do this for real, like go serious. Because I was looking at some sort of crazy British quirky ideas, and actually guys like me, I would kill for a good product like that. Something really masculine, built for me at home. So that's how the sort of groom idea came along. I started to think about what startups had inspired me to buy from them. So I looked at this very much as a consumer. Forget product, what do I want to buy? So I needed a catchy brand, and that's where groom came from. That was kind of your goo puddings. Brands that I'd just seen on a shelf as a guy and went, I like that. Yeah, just tapping into what you know you yeah, like. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's a good tried and tested. I think you can spend too much time guessing. And if you do that, if you try and make something perfect for everyone, you'll probably end up with something so dull No one buys it. So you kind of say, look, what is it I want to sell here? Because what is it I want to buy? And there's millions of people out there. You know, we get 0.1% of this global market. We've got a 15 million pound company. So 0.1% of just fragrance, let alone grooming and creams and lotions. So you don't have to say everyone needs to buy it. At the same time, you don't be disappointed when they don't, but try and understand why. Like in the beginning, people actually said we were too cheap and some people said we were too much. So you kind of think, well, which way do we want to go? Chase the discount market or go more premium and attract a better quality of buyer. So that's the direction we went in. We went upwards, but still affordable. How did you make that decision between the two? Was that because your gut <sighs> instinct of what you wanted the product to be? A lot of that was gut, but I remember thinking, well, what do I want to buy? Because you don't buy a fragrance because it's cheap. Well, the people I'm selling to don't buy it because it's cheap. And that was one of the reasons I was attracted to fragrance. Make it desirable and something people are buying for a lifestyle choice, but keep it within the realms of something you can justify buying without flinching it was that kind of toss-up between i like this this is cool and do you know what it's just too much money because yeah. i don't want people to sort of buy it once and never come back um long-term game it is yeah and yeah it's, it's kind of a slow and steady i mean people are hard work but i kind of feel that's what makes it rewarding people went oh yeah i'll buy loads part of you would go well that's cool but what have i done here when you know you've worked at it for years and then people get it you think yeah, I've kind of earned this, so it's more rewarding. It tastes much sweeter. Yeah, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, tell me how Enterprise Nation has kind of helped Groom grow. What sort of support have you found is useful from being a part of our network? Well, that point I made earlier about credibility, it's a hard currency to buy um, when you don't have money. So on Enterprise Nation gives you a network which is credible. You're going to meet people who take business seriously. These aren't the, oh, that's interesting type, you know, which is nice. So once in a while, but these are people like... Okay, we can give you the tools, the trips, the techniques. Just shortcut what might be years of learning down to a much shorter period, and you're not paying a lot for it. I mean, the problem is so much stuff out there. You pay a lot every month, and you think, God, you know, am I getting value? So you kind of panic. You know, there are apps out there to help with business planning and forecasting, and you start 15, 20, 25 quid a month, and you think, I'm not using it. I'm too busy. I'm too distracted. 
with Enterprise Nation, you have that feel-good factor. You know, you can get the right value for money. You meet good people. You feel more confident because you kind of meet people who talk like you do, and you think, oh, I must be doing something right because it's ups and downs, and but that just feels normal. If you're on your own all the time, you think, am I doing this right? So it's kind of like a network, not just about support emotionally, but kind of as well. You know, you feel like this is this is meant to be tough, so let's keep going. Teammates. Yeah, it is. It's kind of like a team <laughs> without paying salaries. What's better than that? You know? <laughs> this is music to our ears. <laughs> Um, so last question this series we want to ask we always have a question at the end if you were stranded on a desert island who would your choice of entrepreneur be to accompany you there are so many Um, do you know what I'm I'm cheesy because the people I've never met have probably been my biggest inspiration partly because I haven't met them so all kidding aside I think because the sort of British startup and I wish I'd started this 10 years ago or just got into business it's cheesy and it's an easy pick but generally would be Brempton he's got the whole he's good for his family he lives well but it doesn't define him he's not like your Lamborghini turning up he just he lives well but it's all part and parcel but I just everything he says I relate so if Richard was busy, probably Luke Johnson. So one of <laughs> Dull, those two. Great couple of choices. Thank you. <laughs> Don't you think? I wouldn't mind either of those choices myself personally. Great options. Thank you so much for dipping into the small business sessions this week. Hugely grateful for your ears. If you run a brilliant small business, by the way, and you want to feature on one of these, please head to our website, enterprisenation.com, and find out more about us. This is just one of the benefits of being a member with us, as well as hordes of others. It kind of depends on what type of membership will suit you best. But expert business advice, brilliant event meetups, as well as advisor sessions, so not only peer-to-peer bits and pieces, as well as some sessions with experts in particular fields, which is obviously super handy at certain points in the journey. What else do we have? Exclusive discounts. We've got e-books on there, whole host of different bits and pieces. For more details, go and have a look, enterprisenation.com. Don't forget as well that you can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, then do that right away. Then these will just plop into your podcast app. No need to make any effort at all. One thing to cross off that, I'm sure, ever-growing to-do list. Uh, We've got a fair few building up now as well. So if you fancy any more of this, that's another place to go and find them. Head to iTunes, just type in the small business sessions. And next week, another brilliant Enterprise Nation member's small business to shout about. So make sure you join us. Look forward to seeing you then.